Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? So I know that, oh thanks, there are two people that are doing great and then some grumbles, but that's okay. Uh, I know that many are expecting me to make fun of Purdue, uh, but I'll say this, I'm going to be nice. I'm, I know, it's not here yet. I'm going to be nice. Uh, I've been to the Purdue campus, and they have a lovely golf course. It's only 14 holes, though, because they can just never make the final four. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that means that you clapped for that, but that's fine. Uh, so we are continuing the Fearless Prayer series. And in this series, as you heard from the bumper, uh, we're going through the Lord's Prayer and just how to pray, how to give our hearts to Him, how to grow closer to Him through fearless prayers, through praying for uh, everything, through praying for dependence, like we talked about last week, praying for humility, for forgiveness, like we're going to talk about this week. And, and so each week we go from something from the Lord's Prayer. And so this week we're in Matthew six twelve, And growing up, I learned the King James Version of this. And so anytime I have to quote it, I still say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, I also have the version in front of me, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And then I found one that I really liked. Uh, forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. This can be such a hard concept for us. We struggle with this so much, and we talk about humility. It can be so hard to humble ourselves to admit what we've done wrong, whether it's to people, which can be super hard, or even to God sometimes. It's hard for us to put it into words. It's hard for us to admit it. It's hard for us to let it go. And then forget about when somebody comes to us. We like to think that we'll be there to accept their, their apology and everything, but sometimes, sometimes people get on our nerves or hurt us without apologizing. And so it's so hard to understand forgiveness, so hard to know how to do that. Plus, in our society, in our world, we're kind of taught that it means weakness in a way. It means that you're going to let people walk all over you. It means that you're admitting something that you don't have to admit. It means that you're whatever. And, and we're taught that. And so I found a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. And when I picture him, and I think when most of us picture him, uh, we picture this small, bald guy with glasses who was a fruititarian, which I cannot imagine why you'd only eat fruit. Uh, but he was a fruititarian, and you know, we picture him as like this weak little guy. But in actuality, he was a lawyer. And you know, you can say what you want about lawyers, but he was a lawyer. Uh, he was a political ethicist, and he was instrumental in helping India get their independence from England. And so I have the quote here, and it is, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. And that's so true. Because to allow yourself to move on takes strength. To start to heal takes strength. To admit that you're wrong takes strength. And that's something that is so important and so powerful throughout the Bible. And Jesus talked about it over and over and over again. And we can imagine Jesus' life and how so often... He was met, his love that he showed everybody was met with hatred, with scorn, with mocking, with hurt, with all of these things. And so he had to live a life of forgiveness. And he did that to show us what it means. And so I have a scripture from Matthew 
18, 21 through 35. And this is a parable, and I really like this parable. And it starts with a little tale of Peter here. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. Now I want to stop here because Peter uh, was like all of us a lot of times, but especially here, because he is wanting to be the teacher's pet. Like he thinks he's so cool because the, the rabbis actually at the time uh, taught, recommended, don't forgive someone more than three times. You know, so three times. Once you get to three, you're done. And so Peter's like, hey, Jesus, I want you to really see me here. And so seven, that's more than twice of three. Look at this. And so you can just imagine him walking up and he's so proud and he's puffed out. But even with that seven, he's showing what we kind of do. Uh, looking for the limits of what we have to do to be a Christian. Looking for the line of where we can stop. Uh, thinking about, well, how often do I really have to put up with this? Or when can I say what I want to say? When can I throw my mind out on Facebook or Instagram or whatever? When can I go past this line? Like, how much do I have to do? And we think about politics, and we think about relationships, and we think about social media, and we think about all of these different things. What's the line? And so as cool as Peter is here, that's kind of what he's saying. He's like, what's the line? Like, when can I stop forgiving and really give them a piece of my mind? Now, Jesus obviously comes back with, no, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, picture Peter here. And first, he's doing quick math. And it's, in case you are, it's 490. But it, Jesus isn't saying only forgive someone, sorry, Rob, uh, only forgive someone 490 times. Now, can you imagine that? Like you're counting, like, oh, that's one. Oh, we're two. Oh, 489. Next time, I'm done. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying that if you're actually going to count, by the time you get to like 20, 25, most of us are going to kind of stop counting because it's so many and blah, blah, blah. And that's what he's saying. It's uncountable. It's just to keep forgiving, to live a forgiving life. And that goes both ways. Not just giving for forgiveness to people, not just living that life, but also asking for forgiveness and understanding that there's not this line of times where, oh man, I can't ask God anymore. I know that sometimes I feel like I'm praying the same prayer every day. I feel like I'm facing the same struggles. I feel like I'm having the same worries. I feel like I'm having the same issues. And, and, and I'll go and I'll pray and I'll think, man... Isn't he getting tired of hearing this all the time? And I think some of us probably do that too, but he's not. Because we're showing our hearts to him. We're showing strength. We're showing that we're trying. Because once you stop asking, that's when you stop trying. And it's so important to live that way. And I'm going to continue here. Uh, verse 23. This is where we get into the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Uh, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down uh, before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. So in the... Uh, King James Version and whatever, it talks about the, the number of talents, the number of denarii that this is. And so this says millions, but it can be anywhere from 12 million to a billion dollars. So essentially it's my college loans that he's asking for forgiveness for. And so I'd like to do that too. And so 
the point is not the number. It's that it's uncountable. It's unachievable. There's no way that this person can ever earn it. And so it's almost laughable that he's saying, have patience with me. Like, patience for what? Like, how can he ever earn this much money? How can he ever have this much money? And you can imagine how he feels. How he humbles himself. And he feels broken. He feels worthless. He feels like his life doesn't matter. And he's asking for help. He's literally... Begging for his life and his family's life. He's begging for just an ounce of compassion. He's asking for patience, for understanding. He's asking for help, for, for just another chance. Think about the times that you've been here. Think about the times that you've gone to God and just asked for patience. God, I, I really, I'll get this, I promise. Just give me a chance. Or gone to someone else. And I could ask all of the wives here, like the times that husbands have come and asked for another chance and things like that. But, and I've got a list from Tara about Rob and just, there's stuff like this. But, uh, I'll stop picking on Rob now. But, probably. But, the point is, think about the times that you've been here. And just lowered yourself and humbled yourself and said, I really just need forgiveness. I need another chance. I need a second chance. Please have patience with me. Please understand. And imagine what this guy is going through. And it's insane that the master forgave his debt. That is a lot of money. And even if the master is super rich, which he obviously was, that is a lot of money. It's insane that the master forgave his debt. It's unfathomable that God forgives our sins. That a holy God who has never come close to sin, who doesn't know sin, who couldn't sin, forgives our sins. He forgives our trespasses against him. He forgives our wrongs. He forgives everything. And if the story ends here, it's such a beautiful tale. It's such a beautiful tale of human compassion. It's such a beautiful tale of God's love and how we can bask in it, how we can ask for forgiveness and it's given, how we can seek any answer and he will answer us. But like most things, it does not end there. So we go to the next part. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a, thousand, a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. Uh, he had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. So first, it says a few thousand, but regardless, the debt was real. Now, I know what we think of him, and we should think that of him, but the debt was real. It was, in the Bible, 100 denarii, which is 100 days' wages, basically. So, like, especially for someone who was in debt to other people, that's, that's a lot of money. But it was one six hundred thousandth, and I promise that's the last math I'm going to throw at you. It was one six hundred thousandth of the debt that was just forgiven for him. So think of that in perspective. He had just owed 600,000 times the amount that this person owed him. And so now we see him, we look at this parable, we hear this scripture, and we see him as a villain. He's a man who ignored the exact same pleas that he just gave. And it's not an accident that Jesus told it that way, where this guy that owed him money is begging for patience, begging for understanding, begging for another chance, which he had just done. This isn't like a week later. Where he went to the king and, and the king, the master forgave him. And then a week later he runs into this guy and, you know, he's had a chance to forget about it. This is as he leaves the building. 
And so rightfully, we see him as messed up at the very least. He ignored the same pleas. And we think, how could he do that? But think about our own lives. Think about our own lives. Think about the time that you've cut off someone in traffic. And I know you have because I've driven here. (laughs) Think about the times that you've cut off someone and you're just like, oh, sorry, you do the wave. Although one time I was driving down... uh, I don't know what roads are called here still. But I was driving down, I think it Cincinnati Dayton, it goes into something else, and then it turns on to Kemper. I was going to Sam's Club or something. And a truck, a big truck with like a, 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 a trailer cut me off and then flipped me off. And so I was like, uh, okay. So that was kind of weird. So just, but think about the times that you cut off someone. Or think about the times that you've talked behind someone's back or, or you've insulted someone either accidentally or just because you're upset. And then how you're like, oh, I was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now think about the times that someone has done that to you. The times someone has cut you off. The times someone has annoyed you. The times someone has insulted you or talked behind your back. Think about the times that you have asked for forgiveness and then immediately been like, well, I had reasons for that. Like I, I, I had a bad day or, or I was in a hurry. They had no right to do that. And you kind of, maybe you even give it, but it's grudging. Or maybe every time you hear their name, every time you see their face, you're you're nice. But it's like the the nice, like the old school, God bless you, that type of thing. Or the big one, as I was growing up, I'll pray for you. And you don't say it like you're going to pray for them. You're like, yeah, you need this prayer, believe me. And think about those times. And often it's even people we don't know. It's often people that are celebrities or politicians or whatever else in the world. And I get that, man, they mess up a lot. But it goes from, man, I don't like what that person has done to every time I hear their name, I just filled with anger and disgust and whatever else. And we carry that and we carry it into our own life. But even there, it doesn't end. Because if that were it, if it were just minor things, you know, ultimately that's pretty easy. Like, you can come to terms with, I have to forgive people that cut me off or hurt my feelings. Sometimes, though. Sometimes it's the worst things. And imagine that. Imagine the worst things that happen. Now, sometimes there's real abuse. There is real pain. Emotional, physical, traumatic things. And the person not only doesn't forgive or not only doesn't deserve forgiveness, but doesn't ask. And in those times, what do we do? What do we do? Because it's legitimate anger that that is shown to us, or legitimate hatred, and how do we respond to that? How do we live with that? How do we possibly forgive that? And should we? There's a quote, and I have this from Corey Tinboom. And if you haven't heard of her, I'm going to tell you in just a little bit. But it's forgiveness is setting the prisoner free, only to find out that the prisoner was me. Very rarely is forgiveness about the person that you're forgiving. Very rarely. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Corey and and how amazing this statement is. So she was alive. She was about 48 during World War II. And she lived with her sister and her father. 
And they were a, I believe, Dutch Calvinist Christian family. But they ran in their house. They would allow Jews who were on the run or hiding to stay there so that they could get them out and away from the Nazis. And they did that for a while. And then a fellow Dutch Christian, somebody else from their church, betrayed them, turned them in. And he said, hey, this family over here, they are going against Hitler or they're going against what we should do. They're getting involved and they shouldn't. And he turns them in. And so the Nazis show up and they arrest them. And she was 48, so her dad, I believe, was 84. Sister was around the same age. When they were arrested, there was a family of six Jews in the house hiding. Now, instead of making a fuss where they could possibly be found, or instead of maybe possibly, as some people would do, being like, hey, if you let us go, there's a family here you can take, they went quietly. And those Jews were eventually saved. They, they were stayed in hiding. And so Corey and her family went to prison. And in prison, her dad died. And then from prison, her and her sister were sent to a concentration camp. And in the concentration camp, her sister died. And so finally, when she was released a couple months later, can you imagine... Imagine what she felt, not just for the people that ran the concentration camp, not just for for the Nazis, which obviously, but for the person who probably had been her friend or at least known her who betrayed her. Imagine what she felt. And I guarantee that she felt anger and she felt hurt and she felt resentment. And all of that was justified because she lost her family because of evil, pure evil. There is nothing that can justify what happened to her. And yet, immediately, the first thing she did when she got to safety was set up a rehab center for Jews that were escaping or being released from concentration camps. Immediately, she started a worldwide ministry about helping people, about forgiveness, about living with trauma, about living with the things that are done. It did not mean that she thought the people that did that were awesome. And I will guarantee also that none of them, including the Dutch Christian, came to her and asked for forgiveness. None of them. But there's something that we do wrong when we talk about forgiveness. And this is just a human thing. We add and forget. Forgive and forget. And we just do that because like, well, you've got to forgive and forget. You've got to forgive and forget. Jesus didn't say that. No, he said don't hold grudges. He said don't hate But we should remember when wrong is done to us, not to to keep a list, not to hurt people, not to get revenge. But if somebody hurts you, if somebody betrays you, sometimes you have to cut people out of your life. And often people don't ask for forgiveness. And so the forgiveness isn't that you walk up to them and be like, hey, I know that you've never asked me for forgiveness, but I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to do that. But you have to let it go in your heart. And I shouldn't have tapped my microphone. You have to let it go in your heart. And it's, this is not a, oh man, I can just, I got hurt so bad or I got betrayed or I've gone through real abuse and so I got to let it go. It's good. It's a long process. And it is not fair. And it hurts and it takes a while. And it means that we heal. It means that we seek counseling. It means that we humble ourselves and we forgive in our heart. It never means that it's okay that someone did that. 
It never means that it's okay that Corey was arrested for nothing, for helping people. It never means that, that abuse is okay. It never means that. But it means that we don't let those people win either. And it takes a while, and it takes friends, and it takes help, and it takes prayer, and it takes humility, and it takes heart. And it takes a lot of work. But that's where God is. And He's in that, and He helps us, and He reminds us. And just like He was with Corey Tinboom every step of the way, He's with us for everything we face. Last part of the scripture. When some of the other servants saw this, this is back to where He threw the guy in jail, uh, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. Uh, That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So here we see justice instead of mercy, and that's good. And if we saw justice for everything that people did wrong, it'd be a little easier to live a life of forgiveness. Unfortunately, we don't see that a lot. Unfortunately, people, and sometimes it's money, sometimes it's power, sometimes it's influence, sometimes it's just being a good liar. They can get away with stuff. And they get away with real crimes, real abuse, real torture, real horrible things. And so we don't see justice in front of them. And so we carry it. We carry it because we have to. Because we have to remember. We have to hold this. We cannot move on because they haven't paid for it yet. And in a perfect world, that had happened. The perfect world's the next one, not this one. And that only hurts us. I've heard it said before that if you have a grudge against someone... And you wake up every morning and you just grumble their name and you're like, I got that Jeff. He is in his 90s and he still doesn't have gray hair. Like, I just cannot stand him. (laughs) And I just cannot deal with him and blah, 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 and whatever else. I can give you a list of things. And you have a grudge every morning. You think that every time you see me or whoever, you think that. Guess what? I don't know that. That doesn't affect my life at all. It doesn't affect the person's life at all. Just yours. And back to Corey's quote, you become a prisoner of that anger, of that hatred, of that resentment. You become a prisoner of that. That's why Jesus said forgive, to free us. To allow us to move on. To allow us to have hope. To allow us to have healing. To allow us to live the life we're meant to live. Whether the justice comes on earth or in heaven, it'll come. It'll come. We may not see it, but it'll come. God is there. God's always there. And God has our backs. And God has our hearts. And God has our lives. And for us, for forgiving, for healing, for growing past things, for moving past things, for letting things go, sometimes it can take months. Sometimes it can take years. Sometimes it can take a lifetime. And it's a process of healing. And it's a process of 
getting help. It's a process of prayer. And again, and I say this again, it never makes it okay that we were hurt. Never. But step by step, God helps us to be able to grow, to be able to do what Corey did, to turn that hurt, to turn that resentment, to turn that anger, to turn that whatever into something more to help others to not feel that way. And that takes tremendous strength. Tremendous strength. I can't even imagine what it was like for, I cannot imagine what it would be like to see that guy again, the guy from her church that betrayed her. I cannot imagine. We're not perfect. We're going to mess up sometimes. And I don't just mean like we're going to mess up and need forgiveness. I mean... We're going to hold grudges sometimes and have to remind ourselves, hey, that's why it takes constant prayer. It takes constant growth. It takes constant living. And so I have one more quote. And this is from Martin Luther King Jr., who wasn't a perfect man, but in his life lived for equality, lived for forgiveness. And I loved this quote. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. And there is no better place to look for an example of this than Jesus' life. Because again, I say, even his best friends, the disciples, the closest people to him, betrayed him, ran from him when he got arrested, didn't believe him sometimes, denied him three times, doubted him when he came back. Like all of these things, these were the people closest to him. And yet on the cross, one of my favorite quotes in the entire Bible Father, forgive them. If anyone in the history of anything had the right to not live a life of forgiveness, it was Jesus. Because he never hurt anybody. And yet, every day he picked up that cross and lived that life to show us that we can, to show us why it's important. And this quote tells us that it's not just about that occasional Forgiveness, and, and again, I say, sometimes people aren't going to ask, so you don't have to go up and tell them. And you can cut people out of your lives. But not in a hateful way. Not as a punishment. Just as a way for you to heal, to move on, and to live that life of forgiveness. And this is not to relieve the abuser's burden, but ours. And it's not to say, hey, that's okay but to help others. And, and in my life, I carry everything, every perceived wrong, everything that I've ever said, everything that I've ever done, I can seriously talk to you about things in preschool that are stupid that I still carry. Because I knocked over somebody's blocks and stupid stuff, and I remember this stuff, and I hold this stuff, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, this stuff comes out. And I carry that. So this is about forgiving yourself too. Sometimes the person who does the most wrong to us is ourselves. And so it's about letting that go. It's about moving on from that. It's about growing from that. It's about forgiving that. To show others that it's possible. To show others who we serve. To show others why we serve. In my life, there have been people that hurt me. 
There have been people that abused me. And it hurt. And I can honestly say that never once am I like, oh, I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad. And it absolutely had an impact on who I am. And I absolutely carry scars from that. And there are people that have faced far worse than me. But I've learned. And this is still a process for me too. That in order to be the best examples of Christ. We have to live that life of forgiveness. We have to do our best. And everyone here can be like, well, it's not fair. They're not doing their best. I get that. But if everybody did this, what's the point of being here? We're here because we serve someone who tells us to do that. Who shows us how to do that. And that's why we are here. That's why we are here. This is a hard message for a lot of reasons. Because I would imagine that everyone here has at some point struggled with forgiving yourself, forgiving others, asking for forgiveness. One aspect of this, I know that I have. But we look at Jesus and we walk hand in hand with Him through this process. And then we look at each other and we show them, hey, let's do better together. Hey, I've heard that before. Let's do better together. There's a quote I have in the youth room that's, we rise by lifting each other up. That's how we do this, together. Through prayer, through dedication to Christ, through humility, through doing our best. And it's a process. But it's one that God is there every single step of the way. That's all I got.